Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the How to Study podcast series brought to you by Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. My name is Will Tarasha, the founder of, of Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. T is in Thomas, A-R-A-S-H-U-K, and we've made it so far. We are almost done. It is time to talk about editing and post-production. So, Christian, it's going to be another you-heavy episode. I hope you are ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's jump into it, man. All right. Editing. So, I love talking about editing mainly because people think I'm good at it, and I'm very average. Compared to Christian, I'm a very bad editor, but compared to most people, pretty good editor. So take that for what it is. Um, do I need editing? You as a podcaster, do you need editing? Now, a big uh, theme through this podcast has been P, the, whether it's personal or professional. If it's personal, maybe. If it's professional, most definitely. If you're doing a professional podcast for your business, you're going to want to pay for editing. Either do it yourself or pay a staff member to do it or pay someone like myself or Christian to do it. Um, but... Do I need editing? I think it depends on what kind of podcast you have. So, for example, if you have a solo show, it's about 30 minutes long, and it's just kind of you, just long-winded, you know, there's not much to edit there, right? You know, if, if you make mistakes while recording, you can just cut those out and make it sound a little more fluid, but that's just light editing you can just learn and do by yourself um, on the free software, like we mentioned in our previous episode. Um, if you can also throw some effects racks on, some minor edits, adding an intro and an outro. Um, whether you're a business or professional, you shouldn't uh, – business or personal podcast, you really don't need to pay for that. That's something you can do very easily on your own. We're going to do some screen recordings later on in this episode showing you exactly how to do all of that. But if you have an interview and you have a guest and it's recorded on a single track, then realistically there's not much that can be done. It's not much compared to a solo show because, like, for example, say Christian and I were not in this soundproof studio and we were in my apartment in Hoboken and I live next to a fire station and a fire truck goes by. Uh, I can't just single out the fire truck and get rid of it because it's recorded on one track. <laughs> Whereas, like, if I'm at home in Christian's studio and recording on separate tracks, you could. As long as I'm not talking, I could isolate out that fire engine sound and cut it out. So same thing, you can you could put on a few effects racks, put in an intro and an outro, some light edits with music. But if an interview is recorded on a single track, there's not really much you can do. Chris, am I right or wrong on that? Oh, 100% right. If, um, especially if you're doing an interview, two people talking at the same time. If uh, you're talking over each other, there's no way to separate the voices. Um, so if you are going to do an interview, I highly recommend trying to um, use two microphones. Yeah. Even even if they aren't top, top, top shelf, but having two microphones can make all the difference um, in times where things are talking, you know, people are two, two people are talking at the same time and that happened. Yeah. So if you have uh, multiple guests recorded on multi-track, um, you can do multi-track in pretty much any editing software nowadays. And sometimes if you're on Zoom, you can do uh, audio separate audio recordings, I believe. Um, what the, some of the uh, online softwares we talked about in a few episodes back, they also had like multi-track recording which is important. So that makes this better for editing because the reason is, like I said earlier, there's much more you can actually edit. It's much more fluidity you can do. Um, you can get rid of where guests talk over each other. Uh, you can fix levels in case you know, someone like me who's bombastic and loud talking with Christian who's a little more reserved and quiet, you know, you can pod me down or bump him up and that's much easier to do when you record on multi-track. And that's, that's essentially... I mean, we're probably going to get into this a little bit more later, but that that's what mixing is. You need mm -hmm. things to mix together. Let's turn this up. Let's turn this down. 
that that is what multi-track is when you have different things to adjust versus mastering which may be just a singular file singular audio file yeah yeah it's so like do i need editing well it depends how it's recorded really it yeah. really it depends how depends it's recorded. on the equipment you have depends on how it's recorded all of the things yeah and you know multi-track it's a lot easier to add in intros ad breaks right like especially if like you're um on the actual podcast, uh, yeah, here we go, Christian. Split screen. Uh, if you're, um, like, say, you want to do an ad ad break in 15 minutes in, and like while you're recording, um, you throw you could throw to the ad. When recording, you just hit M to mark the audio. We're gonna go over that in a little bit on um, the screen recording. Um, so it's when it pulls off the pause on multi track, you know where to cut, move, and put everything. Um, but if it's a narrative podcast, you most definitely need professional and top notch editing uh, to make sure the music is mixed and mastered correctly. The sound effects are all there. So if you're doing a narrative podcast, whether it's a, for personal reasons or a professional reason, you're definitely going to need editing. Either learn it yourself or just pay the big bucks and have someone do that for you because that's going to take a big project. Um, but overall, editing depends on the production and scale of your podcast. Do not overthink editing or lack of editing. That, or or don't, don't overthink your editing or make don't think that lacks of editing make your podcast bad. Very tongue-tied, but you know what I mean. <laughs> um. You can always start out good enough and then turn to fantastic. So if you're just doing a podcast, you just want to do light edits or no edits and kind of learn your way, ease your way in, you can totally do that. Editing, for the most part, is pretty optional unless you make a huge, huge mistake. You either got to start over or just whatever. So if you do make a mistake, because mistakes do happen while you're recording, this can be true for a solo show, interview show, any kind of show. Um, there's two ways to go about doing this when you make a mistake. The first is you just take a pause. You just take a beat. So me, I talk fast and I mumble. Or if I like, if I can't get my thoughts clear, I'll just go, okay, hold on. And then I'll try again. So I do that beat, that a few second beat, because in recording, it's going to be a blank space. So an editor is going to know that something is wrong. Because if you just kind of give them an audio file and they got to listen to it, you know, if they don't see it or they don't kind of recognize it, they're not, it just makes the editor's job easier to know where the mistakes are. And if they see a blank spot in recording, that's the first place they're going to go to see what happened, and they're going to fix it. Um, it's also easier to see it when, you, when you're editing notes for yourself as for an editor. So like if, as, I, as an editor, I like good notes. Uh, a client I had this past year, she gave me excellent notes on where to edit and with time codes. So if you're going back to your podcast, you see that blank space, you know to make notes for your editor. Um, and the ums and ahs. Should I edit out my ums and ahs? I mean, you can. It may sound a little cleaner. It maybe even cut down the time for a few minutes. Like if you have a time crunch podcast and you want to be a clear, concise 15 minutes, um, getting rid of ums, uhs, and oohs or whatever, this other random sounds your mouth makes when you talk, that can cut it down. But I don't think ums and uhs are necessarily a bad thing. Normal part of conversation. Yeah, it's... Everyone says um, uh, and like in everyday conversation. If anything, it makes you more relatable. And remember, the P stands for personal. But if you want them removed, an editor won't be like, no, I'm not going to do that. It can be a little annoying as an editor, but I mean, I can't see anyone not doing it. Some people offer editing services as only getting rid of ums and uhs, which me is a sign of they're not a good editor and they don't really know what they're doing. So just keep that in mind. Uh, Christian, any other notes on editing in terms of making mistakes, how to make that easier for your life as an editor, ums and uhs, anything of the sort? Mm, 
I mean, I think so far, I think you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. I think ums and uhs are excessive. And I think as a result, if you do try to edit them out, the clips are going to be choppy. Now, if that's what you're going for, then, you know, some some YouTube uh, shows and things like that are, you know, they skip ahead and it has a certain humorous effect. But um, I hate jump cuts. Personally, I'm not a fan of chop cuts. Yeah, I I despise jump cuts. Uh, I do watch some content that has jump cuts, but it's just like no one talks like this. It's just it's annoying. It drives me crazy. But sometimes um, I'll use ums and uhs to my advantage. Like, for example, right. Um, a a client wanted this portion of the interview cut completely because they said something and they just didn't like, or um, it was a little too maybe controversial is a bad word, but it was a little too like cutting edge, whatever. For whatever reason, she wanted that five minutes interview cut. Now that jump is going to be noticeable because you're talking about one thing and up oh, it's always about some something else. Now I will take an um or an uh from five minutes later in the audio, copy and paste it and put it back into that transition because an um is kind of a natural transition. So it got rid of that jump. It got rid of that cut. It got rid of that something an editor would actually notice. Like I listen to podcasts. I can tell what some cuts are. It's just like, oh, yep, they edited there. I can hear it. Most people can't hear it, but I can hear it because I'm an editor. Um, so yeah, sometimes ums and uhs can be used to your advantage. And if you're cutting out portions of the podcast, you want to make it sound fluid like there isn't a cut. And sometimes an extra pause, an um or an uh, can help you out there. Definitely. All right, mixing and mastering. So, Christian, you as an editor, what is the difference between mixing and mastering? So, mixing is going to be when you have you have different elements, separate elements, um, in music, that would be, you know, a piano, a voice. You mix these things um, against each other to make them fit into an overall mix. Um, mixing ingredients, you know, you're making a recipe. That's what that's what mixing is. You need to have different ingredients, different elements, different parts. Mastering, and in the case of podcasting, mixing would be, you know, mixing vocals. Sometimes you might have, uh, you know, you might have two people on the show. And you need to make their vocals uh, similar volume, things like this, um, things like this. Or there's maybe music in the background as well. Yeah. This is mixing, taking these elements, you know, relatively mixing them towards each other to get a certain result. Mastering is going to be when you have one file with everything embedded. Meaning if there was a podcast sent to me, there's three people on the podcast I just have the one file, the one waveform. I can't turn up this person's voice. I can't turn down this person's voice. Mm-hmm. If there's music, as you said earlier, there's a fire truck. There's nothing I can do because it's one file. The volume knob turns everything up. It turns everything down. That is what a mastering job entails, meaning taking that one thing and manipulating it the best you can, whether that's with EQ or compression or a whole lot of different effects and processing that you can do to one file. If that makes sense. Yes, yes. Like, um, so if you're on a multi-track, right? That that would be mixing because it's it's multiple files on one, right? Yes. So you got the different faders. You ha- you can manipulate each element by itself. You can mute it. You can solo it. Right. That's mixing. But if you take that multi-track and you kind of focus in on one, so like there's there's you like this multi-track there's you me, 
and then like our intro and outro music. That's the three tracks. Right. So if you want to focus in on just your audio while you're mixing, would that then be also considered mastering? Um. It's like, it's like, it's like so what is it called when you're editing this one solo track if it's not just all the mixing together? That's well, just, it's we, just called editing. We typically call that uh, mixing in solo. Mixing in solo. Which is. Okay. I'm not gonna, called prepping. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get. I'm not gonna get too far into it. But I just, as, I just as, a, analogy. as a sound engineer, you don't want to. They they say do not mix in solo, because mm. you can make something sound good by itself. But will it sound good to the thing? Will it you know sound? Will it sound good together? Good together. Well, that's. I think it's more true with music. It's definitely very. It's very true with music. With vocals, it doesn't so much apply. Yeah. But um, I would still call that mixing. Okay. I mean, you could someone could argue like, "Oh, you're mastering the the voice," you know. But this is where it is it it is applicable. If you're mastering your one voice in solo, not even listening to the other other person in the podcast or in the interview, how do you know when you're done? It's not going to be extremely louder <laughs> than the other one. You know, or extremely lower. At some point you have to listen to things together and that's what that's what mixing is. Yeah. All right, cool. So, I'm going to give an example of how I edit my show. I'm going to pretty much explain what I do, how I do it, and then I'm going to throw to a actual video recording of me physically doing it and walking you through it. So this is for my podcast, The Kings of the Rings podcast. I edit all of all my audio in Adobe Audition, and um, I record the audio in Adobe Audition. So it's recorded on four tracks. Uh, the first track is a master version, which is the following three tracks all on one track. Um, so it's all the different channels mushed into one as one file. And then underneath that is just my audio. Underneath that is my guest's audio, or my co-host's audio, which in this case would be King Ricky and Kay Murphy because um, they're over uh, Skype. So I can't separate their audios, which is a little annoying, but it is what it is. And then the fourth one is um, my music or my sound bites. Um, so on my mixer, I have uh, eight buttons I can push that can give to different sound bites, music, or whatever, and I can actually it's up to sixty-four. But that's all on one track. So first thing I do is I go to one individual file. So I'll start on mine, just my audio. I will put on what something in Adobe Audition called the Podcast Voice Effects Rack, and that does the following things to your audio: it adds a denoiser. It adds a speech volume limiter. It adds dynamic processing, parametric equalizer, and a hard limiter. Um, so that adds all those effects. But also, I turn off dynamic processing and parametric equalizer because I think it sounds better with those off than opposed to all five of the all four, two, four, five of them on. Um, I do that for my audio. I do that for the guests' audio, and then for um, the actual music audio, I will normalize it. So normalization, what that does is make all of your audio, the volume, pretty much the same throughout the track. Chris, is that correct? No, that's a good way to describe normalization. Um, it brings it brings the volume up to kind of a, a standard level without without making it distort. Right. So it'll it'll bring it up as high at each part as high as it can. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I do that, and then after um the podcast effect rack is put on on my individual audios, I will then again normalize it. 
So each piece of audio, individual, it's in the multi-track. And when I edit it in solo, it edits in multi-track. And since it's affecting the whole track, it affects the whole track in multi-track. So they, they all just save the same effects, and they have the same um, normalization, as well as the audio. And then I'll go in and lower the volume on the music, so it's as like the music bed. And then I'll go and raise it again at the end, which I'll show you in recording. Um, but Christian, yep. let's let's explain what the what the effects actually are. So how would you explain what denoising is? Um, so a denoiser, um, without getting too scientific, what it does is it has a noise detector. And it kind of has a standard profile in it of what noise might sound like. It doesn't know what the noise sounds like. Mm -hmm. But usually in these plugins, you can tell it learn. There's like a learn button. So maybe there's a spot where you're not speaking and it's just the ambient noise in the background. It's white noise, yeah. Uh, white noise, it, it, it could be like a ventilator, it could be an AC, it could be, you know, just cars in the background. Whatever it is, they're all they're all different, but it will learn what that is while you're not talking and basically do the opposite of that, like the negative, like positive and negative, and that's how noise cancellation happens. That's actually how noise cancel canceling headphones work. Really? Oh uh, yeah. Cool. It it has a noise profile and it just flips the polarity. I'm getting scientific. I said I wouldn't, um, but that's what a denoiser does. It gets a sense for what the background noise is, and then it flips it on its back, and it cancels the noise out. Um, yeah, that's that's what it does. Uh, I, I've I uh, in a, in audition, it's called capture the noise print. Right. right. So sometimes so it's, it's learn, sometimes yeah, it's, it's capture. capture. It depends, depends on the product, but yeah. you got to take like a, it's like a five second clip or less to right. kind of just get a basic point, and then you can apply it, apply it to the whole rack, and you can adjust it a little bit, like you can do slight medium like or heavy reduction but sometimes it can kind of screw up your vocals right Things because will, it'll, it'll, become it'll, grainy, it'll take out some of the bulk the, of your voice yeah so it's it can get a little clippy a little computer yeah mm -hmm. so you gotta, be, you gotta be careful with something like that um sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't it it, it depends like a little white noise is fine but sometimes like if i'm in an air-conditioned room and it's just a little too loud it can help but there's only so much you can actually do. A speech volume limiter. I'm assuming it just it puts it at a pitch and it just makes it doesn't go above that pitch. It sets a, a ceiling, and anything above that ceiling will get will get chopped off. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, dynamics processing. What does that actually do? Why do I turn it off? Why do you turn it off? Yeah, I don't. Know why, I don't know why. I don't, what does it do? I, I just turn it off because it makes it sound bad. It it's a com it's it. a compressor, so it's turning down. It's turn it's you're probably turning it off because it's not dialed in. You mm -hmm. know, it has random settings, so it's turning down certain parts of the audio. What dynamic processing is, compression is is setting a threshold um to tell this machine, this plugin to turn down the volume. If you're normally at this volume, but then certain parts of the podcast you're here, you can tell it anything above here, turn it down. Mm. But it, it it probably won't be up here for long. You might be like, ha, and that 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 initial transient will be louder than the rest of the audio. So with the compressor, it'll it'll just slap it down. It'll turn the volume down. That's what dynamic processing is. Undialed in. If you're not going to set the settings and spend the time to do it, it's just going to sound funky. It's going to be random. 
you know, because mm-hmm. the, the, the plugin doesn't know how loud you are and how much you want to turn it down. You have to tell it these things. Right. You get, I had, so I had to go into the individual setting. Right. And then adjust that, which which in Audition you can do. In Swing and Pro Tools you can also do. Oh, absolutely. Uh, parametric Equalizer. What does that do? Parametric EQ is a multi-band EQ. And we'll, we'll show some of this stuff in the screenshots, um, uh, screen recordings for sure. Um, multi-band EQ, I like to give the radio analogy. You go in your car, you're like, oh, I need a little bit more bass. Mm-hmm. You got like three different knobs. You got your your bass, your mid, and your treble. That is essentially at like its core stripped down what a parametric e- EQ is. A parametric EQ tends to have more bands, and usually you can select the frequencies. You know, on a radio, you only get three, and they're pretty far apart. Um, but it's an EQ. You got you got three, six, ten, sky's the limit amount of uh, knobs, if you will, or frequencies that you can turn up and down to manipulate the sound um, of a vocal or any other sound source. Mm. Would that be more for music or for vocals? That is for everything. Everything. So human he- human hearing range is twenty hertz to twenty thousand hertz, theoretically which means there are 20,000 frequencies <laughs> that you could turn up or down, but nobody's turned down an individual frequency. There's, there's areas, like your the low part of the low frequency range, like a bass, you know, or somebody that's high, like mm-hmm. a hi-hat, that kind mm-hmm. of thing, um, or your voice, which is mostly in the mid-range. But um, EQ can fix things. So if uh, there's some low-end rumble, Let's say there's there's background noise and it's it's just rumble like you live next to a subway, you know, and every you know couple of minutes a subway goes by and it's mm-hmm. and you're you're doing the podcast. You could technically turn down those low frequencies, probably without touching your voice to get rid of the sound. That's what EQ does. Interesting frequencies of human hearing. Yeah. So it controls frequencies. Yep. Gotcha. And hard limiter. Hard limiter. Did you say something about another limiter? Yeah, this is hard limiter. Oh, uh, the speech volume limiter. Okay. Hard limiter is just more aggressive. It's uh, it's turning down things more. It's aggr- hard. <laughs> that's that's what it is. Basically, with limiters, they're they're basically very fast compressors. Um, they turn down volume, but with a hard limiter, it's this thing called a brick limiter. It's basically mm. a brick wall limiter. Um, certain limiters, they turn things down, but they let a lot of stuff through. A brick wall limiter or a hard limiter, nothing's getting through that ceiling. It's mm-hmm. just chopped off. The volume will it's 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 getting chopped off. It's just much more aggressive. So do you think do you think those those, oh, I guess, like three, three to five of those are actually effective for audio, audio editing, and specifically for vocals and podcasting. Do you think some of them are necessary? So, um, the the denoiser, we talked about it a little bit. Yeah, denoiser depends. I'd say be very careful with that. And you got, I do, I agree. And you got this watch. You, the you have to, you kind of have to make a a, a a judgment call, an assessment, and think: is this is this making it better? It's getting rid of the noise, but what's it doing to my voice? Yeah, you got to make that judgment call. If you can find that sweet spot, go for it. Um, I'd recommend you know just trying to record in a quieter place. Sometimes people don't 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 have that freedom to do that. 
Um, the limiting, I, I, I'd say also be careful with that. You have to be careful with all of these, with all of these things. Cause you can, you can easily take them too far. Um, the parametric EQ, definitely a lot of value there. Um, and the hard limiter, it turns things down. What I meant to say with the limiter, I do want to go back into this is that a limiter turns things down so you can turn everything else up. Mm. You know, again, if your vocals right here and then you get loud right here, but let's say this is the ceiling, this is digital distortion that sounds like, sounds like cars crashing, right? And you have this thing that's right above it, like a ha, you know, kind of transient right up here, ceiling right here, rest of the vocal right here. If you turn this, this one little spike down to the level of the rest of your vocal, you can then bring everything up to where that spike is mm -hmm. evenly. That's what a hard limiter does. No. Um, but yeah, definitely value in all of them. Uh, careful with the denoiser. Um, the limiter, definitely you, to, to even things out and make things loud and a little bit of EQ never hurts. All right. So that's, yeah, that's just, I was just following auditions lead. And I just kind of played around with it and figured out what I like. I did go. I remember going to my settings and a few of these and adjust them a little bit. And to me, it sounds good. Um, it does get a little. It can get a little weird when I'm mixing two different voices because you know Ricky is a man and um, Kay Murphy is a biological female. Um, so their voices and pitches are very different, and sometimes they kind of mesh together. But it works for me. It works for me pretty well. Um, then from there, doing a multi-track, um, I can just delete. Some of the stuff before we actually start recording, like the five seconds before I do my countdown, uh, I mark my audio. I can lower and fade in the volume a lot easier. Uh, and same thing with the outros and this music up and down, which will all be showed in a screen recording. Let's go throw to it right now. And we'll be back in just a few. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to the audio version of the podcast. But unfortunately, this portion of the podcast is on video. So you got to go over and subscribe on YouTube to find the video of me giving an example of how I edit my audio podcast. Everything I just described in that audio version is in video form as a screen recording, me using Adobe Audition. So go and check that out. Talking with Tarashuk on YouTube. Um, so yeah, back to the podcast. Oh yeah, that's it. That's pretty much how I edit my podcast, Kings of Rings podcast. I do pretty much the same thing with talking with Tarashuk with Christian and I's audio. Um, I kind of keep it simple because there's really not that much crazy editing I need to do in our actual audio podcast, especially because when we're in the studio, you know, it already sounds great because it's this system is set up to record in high quality, so there's not much need for an editor, right? I mean, Christian, realistically, how much editing do I really need to do with these recordings? Uh, with these, like you and I, with the audio specifically, not 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 much, not that much, not that much. I mean, it's gonna come down to de-essing mm -hmm. those those s's. We you don't really notice it, but once you get rid of them, you're like, oh, that's a little bit better. Um, you know, s is really sensitive. It, it, s's and t's at high volumes, they could they could become harsh and, and shrill. The p's, the p's can pop. Um, and that's what the pop filter. You know, pop, yeah. invest in a pop filter. Invest in a good microphone. Um, with our recordings, it's gonna it's gonna come down to de-essing and leveling leveling the voices out you know yeah. vocals are dynamic it's not just you know you being loud and me being soft i'm gonna have moments where i'm quiet and when i'm loud and the idea is to still the, the sound has character if it's loud it sounds loud if it's soft it sounds soft but to have them at the same volume 
with mm-hmm. your own voice and the other or other people that you're mixing the voice with mm-hmm. uh, for us to be evened out and, you know, not sound like we're in two different places, but sound like we're having a conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But not and, much. And there is like that is just what I do for the most basic editing on my end. Now, if you want me to do it for your podcast, I can No, or you can just do it yourself if you have audition. Um, but also like or I another said, program or, or another program. Um, someone. Like some people, some people like their uh, like notes. Like they like to cut down for time. They want to make a forty-five minute podcast a thirty-minute podcast. If you give me notes, you know I can do that. That's really just putting it on multi-track, cutting out sections, and reorganizing to make it sound fluid. Um, fades. That, fades, fades, yeah, fades. I mean that that takes a little more skill. Fading in, fading out, cross fades. You know, I helpful. I I can do that. Um, a big thing is just you no, know, for the Kings of the Rings, their rec- intros are recorded while we're there. Other than that, like talking to Tarashik, the intro is pre-recorded. I throw it in after beforehand. Like, there is no outro for talking to Tarashik because I don't need to do anything there. Um, like other podcasts, uh, another one I edit, uh, Talking Toastmasters with Angela Nuss. Um, I just I, I, I edit in uh, the ads and the intro and the music, but everything else is recorded and um, edited by a different editor with the actual individual tracks. So it's just a lot of different things you can actually do. Uh, with editing, a lot of pieces, a lot. It's you know, it's figured out to pay for someone to do it. Uh, Christian, what's your process? Do you do you edit pod? You edit podcasts. You may be working on Jared's. Um, yeah, but, but that that was were edited by me years ago. So is anyone else you kind of record and do from scratch here? What's your process like? So, uh, you know, as you said, it starts with the microphone. Starts with the microphone. Starts with the pop filter. Um, the best advice I could give you know anybody who's doing it themselves. Um, get a good microphone, get a decent mm-hmm. microphone, get a pop filter. It is essential, especially if you're dealing with a condenser microphone. These microphones are dynamic. Yeah, condensers are USB. Where you have to, you could scream into these things. These things are designed to be in front of guitar amps. I'm just kidding. They're designed to be in front of guitar amps. They require a lot of sound pressure to really rattle them. Condensers, they will pick up, you know, you breathing. Um, so get a pop filter, uh, get a micro, get a good microphone, um, focus on getting a good level. You don't, contrary to popular belief, people used to think, a lot of people still think, uh, people that are new to recording that you want to get the loudest sound possible. Nope. No. We live in the world of digital. You can always make it louder, but once it's distorted, the damage is done. Yeah. If you're overmodulated, forget about it. If it's in the red, it is... It's not going to sound great. Actually, let me let me ask you, because um, yeah. what I what I was what I was taught, what I kind of like, that when I'm recording, you don't want your levels to be consistently in the red. You want them to be pretty much consistently at the top of green or into yellow. I say, and if every now and then it touches red, that's okay. It depends on what, what what part of the red is it is it red because it's approaching the the danger zone or is it fully in, into the not, danger not, zone? It, it never goes full blast red, like it because like it, it, the, like it, it, it just a tip of red. Right. So to me, to me, that's 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 like an audio engineer's nightmare. It's like, oh my, God, turn it down. You know, that's 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 scary territory. So you never want red. You really want to be fifty percent up the meter at your loudest. Mm. You know, you want to be yellow. At your loudest. And that's a worst case scenario. I mean, that's nothing happened in the yellow. As long as it's not in digital, the ceiling is zero. That's you, point one. 
plus 0.1, mm. that's red. That's red? That's distortion. Mm. Zero, it's it's at the top, but it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not, you know, really, it's not, it's not distorting yet. I don't know, I kind of like my audio in the yellow. Because green, it's, I know you can make it louder, but green, it just sounds too low to me. Well, you could just turn up your headphones. Not too. Okay. You know? Turn up, turn up your headphones. Once the damage is done, it can't be... It can't be fully undone. Yeah, if you, 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 the, can, you can do things to disguise it, but old adage, garbage in, garbage out, you know, once it's once it's damaged, it's damaged. But, you know, having a decent microphone, having a pop filter, having mic placement, don't record like this. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah, because you can, you can even hear in your voice it, so, right it sounds weird. Yeah, you, get, you sound a little distant. Yeah, and off-axis, uh, weird things. Sound is science, guys. <laughs> Weird things happen. Yes, yeah, standard, standard. You want to be able to fist away from the microphone. About a fist, or, or, you can, or if you're loud, you can do like the the, the too cool. About a fist to, away. Yeah. That's 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 my rule of thumb. It, and when you have a pop filter in front of you, that helps because the pop filter isn't all the way on the microphone. Yeah. Um. But that's just setup, mic placement, decent microphone, minding your levels. Um. From there, it's first thing I do is DS. I want to get rid of those S's and uh, S's and T's. Um, if and and what is what is harsh. that process like? Do you have to do you have to find an area where that says, or you can just uh, you can just apply, go to effects racks and apply it to the whole audio clip? So there are a lot of presets because the human voice is the human voice, and people have been doing this forever. And there's ranges. So I mentioned human hearings from twenty hertz to twenty thousand hertz. Yeah, DSR is a favorite on audition. Um, S's are usually in the you know three eight uh, k range, kind of depending on whose voice is it. Is it a, is it is it a woman? Is it a man? Um, you kind of got to find the kind of for that person's voice. You got to narrow in on where it is. It doesn't take forever. You know, you shouldn't spend more than five ten minutes messing with a DSer. You can find the frequency range, find where those S's and T's are the most pronounced. And what a de-esser does is another form of compression, except it's only focusing on the S's and the T's. Mm -hmm. And it's turning those down whenever uh, they get loud. And you dial in how much you want to turn it down. Because if you turn it down too much, it's going to sound like you're talking like this. (laughs) (laughs) There's going to be no S's. But that's the first thing that I do uh, is is de-essing. Then I will, I don't like to, if, if I'm in a pinch, I'll use a limiter. Um, because the thing with turning things down is that you can hear them being turned down. Mm-hmm. They, there's attack and release. How fast is it being turned down? How fast is it being turned up? It has to sound natural. I like to adjust the individual region. So, like, let's say there's a phrase that got loud. I mm-hmm. will turn down that phrase because it, it once you hear it, it happened. There wasn't any turning down, coming back up. You can hear these things if they're not done properly. So I like to just cut things up um, if there's loud parts and just turn them down a little bit. Um, but listen, always listen. You know, it being it looking the same doesn't mean it sounds the same. Right. Um. And from there, I'll throw a little bit of EQ on, um, depending on, you know, how much work it needs. I always usually roll off some low frequencies. Just don't need them. Your voice isn't living there. Um, and then from there, I'll throw on a limiter. And I'll turn 
everything up. That's essentially the process if we have a decently recorded recording. Okay. Yeah. All right. So without further ado, let's let's go to your screen recording and take a look, pretty much breaking all that down again and uh, running through it in Pro Tools. So we'll be back in a few. And if you want to go and see Christian's process for how he edits his audio, go over to our YouTube channel, Talking with Tarashuk, to find that clip. Christian will break down his full process as well as give a video example, recording using Pro Tools, all the effects he does. And yeah, go like it, subscribe to it, and then come back to the podcast and finish the audio or watch rest of it on video. The full video is available on YouTube as well. But enough of me talking. Back to the podcast. We're almost done. All right. So those, those are two different schools of thought for editors. Uh, Christian's a little more intricate than mine because, like I said, in the top of this podcast, he's a better editor than me. Um, I taught myself. I pretty much learned myself through audition. You know, I just have the time to get into the nitty-gritty like Christian does or can do. I just, like, listen, if it, if it apply it to the whole rack, and if it sounds good, it sounds good. Because a lot of podcasting, you know, it doesn't need to be crazy, crazy professional. It just needs to be listenable and out there to the public. Um, but now we're going to start talking about editing video. Editing video, well, editing video can be a pain in the butt, but that's mainly because if you edit the audio and like you cut something out, your video is going to be out of sync immediately. Like that, that can be the biggest problem with editing video is, you know, you got to kind of use the raw audio because it needs to sync up. So, like, if you're getting out of ums and uhs, you can't do that in the video because it's going to be jump cuts. So, you're kind of screwed. Or, like, if you, have a, if you make a mistake and you got cut out a whole section and you got to reset, you know, you, you, might, you, might, you might just have a jump cut and something you can do about it. It's just, it is what it is. Um, but for my, all of our videos, talking about Tarashuk videos, and even this video, this is all 100% edited by me, all the lower thirds um, done by me, um, and pretty much... Video editing for your podcast can be pretty basic. You know, it's just graphics, lower thirds, um, cuts back and forth. Or whether it's a remote podcast, you know, I have my um, uh, audio uh, graphics packages. It's like a loopable video. And I do cuts. I do all that in a program called vMix. And I edit it in Premiere. Um, so there's stuff like that you can do for your podcast. Um, rendering. Rendering is huge. Pretty much, just pretty much gives. But Chris, how do you describe rendering? It's like a, it's like a, like a. It pretty much just puts all the loose files where they need to be, and just makes it like if there's an ed graphics or anything, kind of smooths it out. It's like a buffer for your car. Uh, it does that. Basically, what happens is when you're rendering, um, what you're looking at is usually a low quality preview just to save computer resources. Mm -hmm. You know. If you guys are old enough, think back to 240p YouTube video. <laughs> Um, you know, now we're at Charlie bit me. Now we're at 1080p and <laughs> yeah. four and five k, eight k. Uh, crazy clear. I I like <laughs> vision like video. Um, but what an edit a video editing software does is it it saves computer resources by when you're editing, you're editing a low quality preview. Yeah, and as you're editing, it renders, or you can render it at the very end. I do it. I do it at the very end. At the very end, like and that's just red because it'll speed up. It'll speed up the workflow. If you don't have a supercomputer, you're gonna need to, you know, kind of use the low quality version, which is by default most programs. Yep. 
um, even if you do have a good computer, just to speed things up. Video takes a lot of computer resources, um, graphics card, all of these things. Uh, I think we talked about that a little bit. Um, but at the end, what it does is it prints all the edits that you did, all the effects that you did, all the fades, whatever you did, graphics, and it prints it to a high quality version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you'll, you'll see it in my screen recording on Premiere. I do all my edits in Premiere, Adobe Premiere. Um, when I upload something, the bar above the timeline is yellow. Uh, that just means it hasn't been rendered. If it's red, it means it needs to be rendered. You right. can export in yellow. It just might not look as clean. Um, but you cannot export in red. It'll be janky. It'll be clippy. It might not be smooth. Um, so there's certain effects I do. Like if I do color correction on a video, the timeline is going to be red. Which because it means it needs to be rendered, needs to be cleaned up in, in the high resolution to, to, in order to be exported. Um, so you'll see all that. Rendering can take time. Like as Christian said, specs for your PC. If you're using Premiere, I would recommend at least at least eight gigabytes of RAM on your computer, just to make sure it can open and export in decent speed and handle everything you're doing. Because Premiere will crash and it'll crash often if you have anything lower. It might just not work altogether. Um, in terms of an processor if you're using an intel probably like an i5 most computers nowadays come with the i5 basic um, most computers today laptops today probably have a basic 8 gigabyte ram maybe 16 my computer has 32 um i'm about to upgrade my graphics card my graphics card right now is a 1070 nvidia 1070 uh that's been great um i'd probably say anything in a 10 series if you use uh, nvidia would be fine for editing video I don't know what that would be in AMD. I don't know what that would be for any other kind of graphics card, but you can just go, like, whatever thing you're buying, you can Google uh, NVIDIA 1070 equivalents and AMD, and it'll tell you. Like, um, I had my dad was asking for a new Dell, like, what specs to get. So he was like, send me a link to what you're doing, and it was, like, a weird graphics card because it's based on a laptop that's smaller. So I Googled it. Oh, what is this equivalent to? Oh, okay, it's equivalent to, like, a 960, whatever. And I was like, yeah, I should be fine. And that's just that's a basic laptop for my dad. So make sure, like, I think Adobe would have, like, recommended specs for piece, uh, for Premiere or After Effects. Just, if you're going to do your own video editing, just make sure you have a computer that can do it. As opposed to audio editing, if you're doing video, you probably should hire an editor, at least do basic stuff, or try and learn the basics yourself. Um... Because it can go a long way, it can make a big difference. I mean, video is everything. Um, Premiere can also export in, uh, was it 916, which is like the, the phone ratio, Christian? Uh, yes. Because typical, so that's, typical that's, aspect uh, ratios are 16.9. 16.9 uh, or square, like Instagram square. Yeah. It's just like one by one. Uh, 16, 9, 916 would be taking that that movie, turning it inverted. It's yeah. a, it's a uh, it's a smartphone now. Yeah. So a typical sixteen nine is uh, like nineteen twenty by ten eighty, which is HD. And uh, sixteen nine is the reverse. Is ten eighty by nineteen twenty? Yeah. So um, I'm gonna throw to another video, screen recording. Um, it's gonna be me like going through Premiere, importing audio and video. I'm gonna show you how I sync audio and like um. The final version of the podcast that's recorded here, I synced, I swapped that out with the video because right now our video is being recorded like OBS, it's recorded on VMix. I'll take the audio we're talking into the microphones and edit an audition um, and sync it up. I'll show you how to do that. 
adding graphics. I'll go into full detail on framing the graphics, the size of the graphics, the positioning, the colors, the fonts, etc. Um, how to transition in and out of graphics between fades, whether it's in After Effects or it's in Premiere. A timing, how long you should keep them up. Screen recording of adding different graphics. So like um, my lower third, my name. If it's an hour podcast, I'll do it every 15 minutes. I'll explain why I do that. Um, banner lower thirds, where to put those for our unknown, unknown nonsense edition. Um, noticing time codes of where I cut segments because that's important for YouTube chapters. Um, I'll show you what it's like to render and how long it can take. Don't worry, I won't show you the full 15 minutes. If it's an hour podcast, the render can take up to 15 minutes, and I have a pretty strong computer for that. So if you have a weak computer, it could take up to an hour, if not longer. Now I'll show you how to save and export. So all that, and then we'll be right back to talk about one more clip, throw another clip, and then we'll go on home. So if you're listening to just the audio, go to YouTube and subscribe and watch the video because I can't show you video on an audio podcast. So yeah, we'll be right back. All right, I hope that was helpful. Uh, welcome back, everybody. I hope that video helped you. Um, that's how I edit clips for all my podcasts. It can take a little while. Uh, subtitles can be a pain in the bum. Um, but, hey, the content I make for my fans. But finally, actually, no, the, the subtitles are in uh, the next the next clip. So, so I didn't do subtitles for that one. I thought I did, but I didn't. I lied. Uh, cutting clips. Um, so I'll take that full video in Premiere. Also, last thing about rendering, uh, because rendering takes up massive files on my computer. Like, from this podcast series, all seven to nine to ten episodes, if I just kept the render files for all the full videos and the clips and the shorts, just the render files would be over a terabyte, hands down, easily. So, uh, once the rendering's done and the video is exported and uploaded to our Dropbox, I delete all my render files. It saves me so much storage because the video itself, like this, this, this actual video of the full podcast will probably be about five to seven gigabytes um, of just the video exported in 1080p. Um, now, if I kept all the render files, my hard drive would fill up so fast. So I just get rid of them. And then when I go back and edit something else, I can just re-render. Um, so, yeah, that's a fun fact about rendering. It takes up a lot of storage. So keep that in mind as well if you have a computer. Um, with specs, definitely have at least a terabyte of storage. Um, so clips, all my podcasts have clips. Um, I go a little overboard. Actually, I definitely go headfirst overboard into how many clips I cut. All done in Premiere. And since it's already rendered, it's just kind of just cut, copy, paste into a new a new file. Or not even sometimes a new file. So I can, I can export via my in and out sequence. So I'm going to show you how I do that. I'm going to explain to you why I don't do a video intro anymore. I don't do our bumper like seven second thing. I just go right into the video. Explain why I do that. I'm going to add graphics. Going to deep again about framing, size, position, colors, fonts, etc. Um, fading, timing, again, calls to action because in these I'm going to add in, you know, like subscribing on YouTube, subscribing on TikTok, stuff like that. And subtitles. I add, I don't add subtitles to the full hour podcast because that would take forever to edit and it would make the file size even bigger. And editing subtitles in a file that big slows down my computer. And I have a supercomputer, so I just don't do it. It's not worth it. But for clips and the shorts, I do. Um, so I'm going to get into how I do that on Premiere. Hopefully that can help you. Um, and I'm going to show you how to export um, and how to do YouTube shorts for TikToks. Resizing, the cuts back and forth because if Christian and I are talking, uh, like if Christian has us on split screen and we're both talking, I just... 
can go from you know the, the, tor- the left side, the, like the left the, side, just, just move and it I over. guess double click, move over. Yep, and then it's on the right side. So I'll show you how to do all that exporting and saving, and then we're pretty much done. So yeah, let's throw to that, and we'll be right back. That is the last time I am throwing to a clip for this podcast, but hey, there's always next time. Um, yeah, so again, full video on YouTube for the full podcast. Also, this clip is available on YouTube um, with the rest of the podcast. So yeah, you know it by now. It's the fourth time. So thanks for listening to the audio, but there's more value in the video in this particular case. So go watch it. Thank you. All right. And that's everything that has to do with editing. I hope we didn't confuse you too much. I hope we helped. I hope video editing is something you do for your podcast. If you need me to go crazy and cut clips for you like that, I do do that. Um, that is something we offer at APS um, or Cube Recording Studios. We are editors. That is what we do. It is a lot of fun for us. So if you need help with that or hopefully that video can help you teach you how to do it yourself and save some money for anything else, APS offers including equipment and all that fun stuff. So. Um, Next time, we are talking about publishing your episode, Um, all the different platforms you can use, and then finally, we're going to wrap it up with distribution. So we are almost done. Two episodes left, and we will be done. Actually, the publishing episode might have to wait a little bit until our app is done and it's forward-facing, so that will probably come at a later date. Next up, we're talking about distribution Uh, and Different ways to distribute your podcast. You can do season format versus an ongoing format. Quality versus quantity. Oh, that's going to be a fun argument to have. I love discussing quantity versus quality of distribution. Um, RSS distribution. All different platforms and different ways you can distribute. Um, the idea of distributing podcasts to multiple RSS feeds, which is really what sets APS apart. Um, what time you should release your podcast. That's going to be fun. And then social media distribution, including Facebook, 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 Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, TikTok, and then different strategies on how to release on those platforms, their algorithms, and all of that fun shenanigans. So, Christian, so we're on the home stretch here, man. Are you ready? I'm ready. Yeah, it's about goddamn time. I've been editing. I've been editing clips for our first two episodes this week, and editing clips about telling people how to edit clips. Yeah, no kidding. I'm going to yeah. do that in a few more weeks. So, I'm can't wait for this series to be done, so you and I can get back to some unknown, unnamed nonsense. I got a few more guests lined up. For whenever we're ready to do that, I guess that's going to be a lot of fun. I cannot wait. Awesome. Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Uh, Christian, do your plugs, my friend. Tell me everyone can find you. Cube Recording Studios, um, as you can tell just through the video today, we offer mixing, editing services for podcasts, music, everything under the sun, all things audio. And we can also handle video as well, live streaming to all the platforms, Facebook included. Facebook included, baby. Um, CubeRecordingStudios.com. Check us out. You can uh, book online, and that's where you can find us. Cube Recording Studios is the Instagram and every other social media handle. All right. And, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Will Tarashik. That's T's and Thomas. A R A S H U K. If you're listening to my talking Tarashik feed, thank you. Um, more interviews will be coming and fun stuff coming in the new year. Um, so that's going to be exciting. I cannot wait to keep doing it. And also, all these podcasts will be available on our YouTube channels uh, as Talking with Tarashik, as well as the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. Um, as soon as all those are ready to go with our rollout and marketing push and all that fun stuff. So stay tuned for more content from your boy, Will Tarashuk. But until then, y'all take care.